All right, joining us now is Gil Metavoy. Gil has been doing his show Crossing Continents on KDVS for the past 12 years. It's a uh, it's some of the best uh, radio that I've heard, not just on KDVS, but I would say just period. Thank um, you. Gil, uh, we should tell the audience, you are Israeli. You were born and raised in Israel. That's right. And you are Jewish. Yes, I am. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a bit today on, for, for Jeff's show um, about what's going on over in Israel. I know that you started out with a music show, and it became more than that. Yeah, in the past three years, I decided, uh, in the light of the situation there and the fact that I've been um, actively involved as much as I can here locally and um, with some uh, partners in, in the Bay Area and, and in Israel, um, basically in trying to educate uh, the public um, to get a different perspective on what a segment of Israeli society think about the direction that uh, the Sharon government has been taking the, the state of Israel. Well, and a, and a good job you are doing. I mean, meaning to, to, you'll be you'll be coming on our show, I assume, in the future again, because this is an ongoing topic I want to talk about, and I want to talk about it with you. So it's odd that we're here on Jeff's show today, but but what the heck? <laughs> okay. Gil, Israel's top military commander has broken a taboo. It's been said recently on dissent. There's the, the government has pretty much stood stood uh, as a unified front, but he's now openly criticizing the Sharon governments for its crackdown on in the Palestinian territories. And uh, this has come after pilots, I guess 27 pilots, have refused to endorse the tactics of the Israeli Air Force, which has included bombing of civilian targets. Uh, do you think that you, do you see a corner being turned here with this? I, I hope so, and uh, definitely some notions in Israel now within, especially within the peace movement, that maybe finally after three years the the left is, is waking up, and more so that the Israeli society at large is finally paying attention to what's going on and understanding that we can go in the same path that we were on for the last three years, uh, mainly using violence to curb terrorism, is not the solution, but really uh, open up negotiations um, is really the only way for the survival of um, both people. Now, I guess this was General uh, General Moshe Yalon. That's right, the chief of staff. Yeah. And I guess he, he had cut quite a bit of anger from his boss, the defense minister Shaul Mofaz, and he was sort of uh, reprimanded for having done this. Yeah, and, and this is uh, the former uh, chief of staff, which is very typical in Israeli politics. You see a lot of former uh, generals uh, taking political positions. Um, the high echelon has been historically uh, consisted of uh, former generals, um, which is also another way of looking at Israeli society and clearly seeing how militarized of a society it is because it's it's acceptable and people even look at people with a rich military background yeah. uh, with a lot of um, honor and, and respect and um, somebody who doesn't come from military background doesn't get as, doesn't get as much credit as uh, people from the military I've heard it said that the Israeli military and the Israeli government are in essence the same thing um, in especially the last two years yeah well, no sooner had uh, the top military commander uh, said this than apparently he was joined uh, by four former chiefs of Israel's domestic security service, which I guess the Shin... The Shin, Shin Bet. Shin Bet. Right. 
Well, first of all, we should clarify that they're basically like the Israeli FBI, maybe with the Mossad. We're more familiar with being like the Israeli CIA. Would that be a correct yeah, assessment? Yeah, that's that's comparable. It's as if you would take, you know, former, you know, four CIA um, chief operatives, you know, and coming out with a statement against, you know, Bush's policies. Yeah. Which is um, pretty outstanding. It's not a bad and, idea, actually. And I, you know, on that issue, I just uh, last night received the full... Um, interview that was conducted last weekend yes. uh, in Idiot Achonot, which is uh, the most heavily circulated uh, daily paper in Israel. This, this was what, what the four former chiefs had to say right. in full. And, and what's really interesting is it's clearly known that there were a lot of intrigues, you know, and disagreements between these four um, heads of the Shin Bet. And, and they talk briefly in that interview um, that two of them, until just an hour before the interview, were still um, debating if they would actually come to the interview. And the reason that they all decided to um, join in the same room and, and talk to reporters um, was basically because they all feel that Israel is on, on the verge of catastrophe. And that's what they're trying to prevent. Um, and it's it's really remarkable. I mean, this whole document, to me, uh, might be something that hopefully uh, would change the direction that Israeli society look at solutions. Well, these guys certainly did not mince any words. Uh, I, I, uh, various guys spoke up in, in sequence. One of the, I'm not sure who said this, but one of them said that, um, that Israel is basically, quote, going in the direction of decline, nearly a catastrophe on almost every level, economic, political, security, and social. Pretty strong words. Yeah, yeah, that's actually one of the quotes that I um, lined out to, um, to share, and I'm glad that you picked up on that. That's, that's part of the statements that were done, uh, that were given by one of um, the heads of the Shin Bet who took part in that interview. And that's, that's as strong as you can get, you know, and... What also is interesting is that when you take part, when you become a head of the Shin Bet in Israel, you basically, you have to commit yourself to be apolitical. And all these four uh, former uh, heads of the Shin Bet um, were never aligned with any uh, left of the center political movement in Israel. Right, these guys are not, were not the, uh, not the, the peaceniks. No, no, they're, they're definitely not part of the peace movement. Yeah. Uh, and they almost take an offense, you know, when the reporter, you know, said that their words uh, sound as if they come from the peace movement yeah. um, or from, you know, radical left, not peace, because they clearly see um, Israel going in that, that direction as the only choice uh, that Israel has uh, for its own security, for its own um, well-being. And um, and that's why I think this document is so outstanding. And in the fact that, as you mentioned, uh, the case of the 27 Israeli pilots who refused to take part in military actions. Yeah, talk in, about that a bit. That, that's, that was quite a big deal in Israel. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it created a lot of steel, and it was on um, all, you know, TV channels had uh, forums and discussions about it. Uh, there was a lot of condemnations. Um, against these pilots and I mean the pilots in Israel are definitely in the highest status as far as yeah. military service yeah. 
and uh, they're very looked at with a lot of admiration from the public and the fact that 27 pilots came with such a strong statement and one of them uh, was um, the most decorated Israeli pilot ever um, and his name is, is well known and, and, and recognized um, and that created uh, a lot of steel and then with uh, the chief of staff statements which are very contradictory to um, what he said just um, six months ago I mean, he was basically talking about the Palestinian problem being a cancer in the body of Israel, and it needs, uh, it should be applied uh, chemotherapy. Yeah. And I think um, the play of words is, is very clear. And uh, I, you know, when I've heard that statement, I couldn't see that in a few months he would change his skin to the point that he did just a few days ago. Well, it, it's it's sort of a triple whammy, I guess, with the with the defense minister now with the four heads of Shin Bet and then decorated pilots who are uh, caused quite a quite a consternation. There, there seems to be is this is this like a a snowball effect here? Is there some momentum being gained? I I hope so, and it it, it definitely looked that way more than it has in the last three years since the beginning of the Intifada. Uh, it it would seem to me I don't know whether I, I, how your friends feel in Israel. It would seem to me that uh, that now you're seeing a consensus from from people in the government, key people in the government, saying the same sorts of things that people in the peace movement have been suggesting for years. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's very surprising, and it's you know the the ray of hope that we've been looking for for a long time. Um, unfortunately, you know, the, the peace movement hasn't been as effective. And I think it partly had to do with the fact that until Sharon came into power, um, the majority of the Israeli public was hopeful that Barak would um, try to follow in the footsteps of Yitzhak Rabin. Yeah. Um, again, there, there were some very crucial shortcomings on the part of Yitzhak Rabin, uh, mostly by dragging the process and extending it uh, and not, you know, making sure that the steps are followed in accordance to a certain timetable. Yeah. And it clearly was and is the major uh, stumble block that uh, even with that interview with the heads of the Shin Bet, they see it that this kind of process of creating stages in order to uh, gain trust from the other side is not really applicable anymore because it's been dragged for too long mm -hmm. and we really need to set some very clear guidelines and and get to the bottom of uh, and, and the root of the problem and the main issues to be dealt with and then through that process to get to develop a certain level of trust. You uh, you mentioned uh, Prime Minister Rabin. Uh, you, you, Dr. Rabin was was shot uh, eight years ago this month by um, uh, a settler extremist. And That's I think right. people sort of get lost in all the, the cycle of violence over there. People sort of forget the fact that he was not uh, murdered by um, uh, someone from the, um, the the Palestinian side of things. It was someone from the very conservative settler movement. So can you can you review for our audience um, what that settler movement is and, and who, who's been supporting it? Um, the settler movement has basically been supported by... Um, consecutive Israeli uh, government officials since 1967. Basically, in 1968 was the first move into uh, populate uh, parts of uh, the West Bank and, and later Gaza, 
with um, settlements in order uh, to achieve a sense of um, security, but also to facilitate the wish of um, um, the most extreme uh, religious uh, segments of um, the religious society in Israel uh, to allow them to um, settle in um, areas, um, cities, um, where there's a majority of uh, Palestinian population and create enclaves within a Palestinian territory, right. um, which now is, is a major conflict. And, and basically, most anybody that you would talk to, including um, statements that were done recently uh, in interview of how to take Israel out of this sort of a chokehold of uh, lack of security yeah. and, uh, and a sense of um, um, really hopelessness that the first step needs to be pulling out of the occupied territories. And then you have to deal with the, the settlements that have been built. And actually, in the last uh, 10 years since the Oslo Accords were signed, has been doubled the number of settlers in the territories. It's about, about a quarter of a million, I understand, at this yeah, point. Yeah, there's about a quarter of a million of uh, uh, settlers in, in the West Bank and Gaza. Which creates quite a difficult problem if you're going to set up a two-state solution where you say this is now Palestine, this is now Israel. How do you do it when, when, when uh, there's people who want to remain in Israel sprinkled throughout the whole West Bank territory? That's a very major issue to be dealt with. Uh, but most people, and I think even... Um, Sean and his establishment uh, at this point realized that they would have to to face um, Sharon himself is is the the main um, person who was um, to blame for creating the settlements and allowing it to happen. He was a, a minister of um, uh, construction and uh, building uh, at the time. And he allowed most of the major uh, settlement block um, to be created. Yeah. Uh, and people see him as the only uh, effective choice at this point to dismantle the same settlements that he created back in the early 70s. Well, he and, certainly uh, would have the political um, respect of people who that he was supporting all along. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same uh, ideological, even though Sharon himself is not a religious person, yeah. uh, but he definitely looks at a large um, track of territory which uh, would be part of Israel, which is not, according to international law. It's, it's all areas that have been taken by force yeah. during a war, and, um, and that's basically what the peace movement has been fighting since. Uh, basically since the uh, early 70s um, to, to pull back and not to allow um, uh, the creation of settlements in occupied territories. Well, Gil, one thing that's been the news in conjunction with all of this issue about settlements is a wall. The Israeli government is currently constructing a wall. There's something uh, a significant way on, on, on that route. Estimates are now that it's going to cost like $2.3 billion. Uh, the U.N. is calling for a halt in the construction of it. If it goes forward, it's going to create 12 separate enclaves, which Palestinians will be surrounded by this barrier. This is causing a great deal of, of strife. Um, uh, what do your friends in Israel say about, about this wall? I mean, this is another major uh, fight that the peace movements are, are trying to uh, bring to the to the public and um, 
because the public in initially uh, supported uh, the fence with the assumption that uh, the fence would uh, be set along the green line, which is the the border pre pre sixty seven. Right. And what happened is that now about ten percent, um, the wall is not completed yet. It's it's only partly completed, and certain sections are. In, uh, more like a barbed wire fence, but other sections like around Calquilia, especially when you look at some pictures from there, um, it's a 24 feet high wall that basically surrounds the city uh, from every um, angle. Yeah. Uh, basically, residents saying that they can't see the sunset anymore. Good God. People compare it to the Berlin Wall. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's much taller in, in many parts of it. Um, and the final um, route would be a lot more extensive than the Berlin Wall. Well, there, there's talk about some new uh, new new peace talks uh, over in Israel, um, and one of the issues is always um, centered on Yasser Arafat. Uh, assuming that Israel stops demanding, that they've been demanding an end to terror as a prerequisite for talks, and they don't like Arafat. Do you think that uh, they're going to have to deal with Arafat? Because that seems to be the Palestinian perspective. I, I think they would have to. I mean, all the, basically, in the Sharon administration um, saying that um, Arafat is irrelevant um, and the talks about expelling him or um, basically trying to get rid of him by force, assassinating him, uh, he clearly wasn't, had any intention to uh, surrender and be expelled. He made that very clear during times that uh, uh, his headquarters in Ramallah was uh, attacked by the Israeli army. But I think it's it's very clear. I mean, the only uh, person who is going to have the final word on the Palestinian side is Arafat. Yeah. I think uh, every person within, uh, even the Sharon administrations, understand that. Um, according to to some people within the peace movement, uh, clearly, um, the Bush administration had uh, some power over restraining Israeli actions against Arafat. Um, it it is debatable, but it's it's likely that there was a concern on on the Sharon administration um, to uh, go any further with uh, beyond the statements that were made officially, which are. Pretty incredible um, on their own to say that the uh, state would go and eliminate. It's sort of, uh, in some ways, uh, what Bush did in uh, Iraq. We don't like a certain regime, and we're just going to go in and take it out. Well, Gil Medavoy, thanks so much for talking uh, to us on this on Jeff's program today, Panic Attack. Um, and you will be on, when will you be on the air next? Well, I'm just basically waiting for sports season to uh, be over. It's... Um, You've been preempted by Cal Aggie um, football, pre-empted I guess. preempted by the Aggie sports yeah. events, and that happens every fall and early winter. And hopefully by next month, we're going to move back into somewhat more uh, regular schedule. With the headaches of having a Saturday show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we didn't talk at all about music, and that's what you do an awful lot of, but, uh, but when you come back on my show, I, well, hopefully we'll bring some of this uh, wonderful Middle Eastern music that you play to the afternoon audience as well on weekdays. Okay, I'll be happy to do that, and I want to thank you for um, the opportunity. Well, Gil, thank you. We'll talk again. All right. Take care.
Let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and you're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. In a moment, we will return with Danny Schechter, television producer and independent filmmaker. So stay tuned.